We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Our speaker today is the senior pastor, Tom Nelson. Let's take a look here at Mark 15, verse 40 and following. We're going to be looking this Christmas at the resurrection. So if you're a Christmas and Easter Christian, we're going to give you a twofer right here. You can sleep in in March, okay? You know, we have looked at the arrest of Jesus, the trials of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, those six hours. And now we're going to look at the resurrection of Christ. It just follows. Uh, The death of Christ occurs, and nobody has a clue that, of what is going to occur. They've heard it, but is it possible to have God tell you something you really don't know what it means? And it's beyond them. And so right after we'll see the, the death of Christ, you're going to see glory and songs and rejoicing. Nobody would have thought that. Uh, it's because of what is called the messianic mystery that he came not just to, to free us from the enemy, from Rome, but he came, as the angel said, uh, to deliver his, to save his people from their sins. That's what he came for. And no one has a clue except the thief on the cross. He understood. He was the closest uh, it says there were some women looking on from a distance because they want to see what happens to that body. Among whom are Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph. Uh, she's the mother of one of the disciples, James the Less. And Salome, that is believed to be the sister of Mary. That is the mother of uh, uh, Peter and Asseh. Now, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're kind of a family. And when he was in Galilee, these women, they used to follow him. They had all been touched by him or healed, or in the cases of Mary Magdalene, of uh, unclean spirits cast out. And they were followers of him. They were even supporters. They gave out of their own personal wealth to him. They were loyal to him until the end. They don't understand that he'll rise from the dead. They know that he died outside the camp as unclean. They know that if they're associated with him, they are unclean. But they are faithful until the end without ever knowing. You know, if you ever go to Edinburgh, you'll see, I believe it's in Edinburgh, you'll see a church called Greyfriars Bobby, or rather a, a place in Edinburgh, and it's of a, uh, a little dog that when Master died, he came to the graveside and he stayed there forever. He never left. And people would see him and it, it became the part of the cemetery to free, to feed Greyfriars Bobby. And so today you go there and you see that, that monument made to this little, little Scottish terrier uh, because it's just a monument of faithfulness till the death. There's an old saying that there's no man good enough to be a dog. <laughs> Women, amen. Yeah. And so that's kind of the way these women are. They're like Greyfriars Bobby. They're, they're with him till the end. And uh, they will have the privilege of announcing the Lord has risen and I have seen him. Mary Magdalene will be the first to see him. And she will be the first to proclaim he is risen, then a number of women that he is risen, and then the men. You know why? Because salvation in the Bible is the seed of woman shall crush the serpent's head. And so salvation is going to come through the woman. That is why Zacharias does not announce John the Baptist is going to be born, but Elizabeth uh, that is why Joseph does not announce that a child is coming. The angel goes to Mary and the resurrection will be, or the crucifixion is surrounded by women and the tomb is surrounded by women and it is women that announce that he's coming. Because salvation is not some masculine set of rules that you have. 
to earn heaven. It is a man who will come, one of us. It's not going to be a theophany of God appearing as a man and going on. It's gonna be a real man where God enters into humanity and the holy thing shall be called the Son of God. The Spirit will overshadow you and what shall be conceived will be called the Son of God. He's gonna become like us. And so women have that privilege. As a matter of fact, the word living in Hebrew is pronounced uh, ava. We call it Eve. And so that is what Eve means, that all the living, that life. Adam looked at her and said, life will come from you. So you're not going to earn your salvation. Somebody's going to procure it for you. Amen? That's Christianity. And so when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, it's uh, Friday, we're getting ready to go into sundown to begin Sabbath. Nothing can be done, no work and no purchases. And so they're wondering what's going to happen to this body. They're watching. Enter Joseph of Arimathea and his sidekick Nicodemus. Uh, they are prominent members of the council. They are believers in Christ. Joseph was waiting for the kingdom of God. It is said that Joseph is rich. It is said of Nicodemus, Jesus said, are you not the teacher of Israel? Nicodemus, ruler of the people. Nicodemus, these are two very prominent men. And incidentally, we never see them again in the Bible. They went outside the camp bearing his reproach and they became kind of like uh, the first of the apostle Paul's, that whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. They lost it all like Saul of Tarsus would. And it says that they gathered up courage. They had been called in the gospel of John, secret disciples. Y'all ever heard of that? A lady Clairol Christian where only God knows for sure. They had kept it silent. Nicodemus stood for him in one of the trials. He said, do we try a man without but without letting him stand, or do we execute a man without trying him? What's, are you a Galilean too? Check the scriptures. No prophet arises from Galilee. Nicodemus just spoke out and got condemned. It was said of Joseph that he had not taken part and given consent to what they did. And so these men had dropped out at the end. And what gives them courage was the death of Christ. The author of Hebrews says, uh, Run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher, the prince, literally, principis, first, the author and the finisher of our faith. He lived our righteous life. He died on the cross, rose again and sat down. He did it all. Amen. He did it all. And so fix your eyes on him. You have not yet suffered to the point of shedding blood and you're standing against sin. Look at him. That's a man. And that's the way that we die. Faithful all the way till the end. And so he gathered up his courage and he went before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. And that's what they will do. What are you not supposed to handle on a holy day, a dead body. And that's what they did. Pilate wondered if he was dead at this time. I guess that they do this because they're afraid of desecration. What will they do with the body of Christ? Come Sunday morning after the Sabbath, maybe they suspect that they'll nail him to the wall, headless like they did uh, Saul, the Philistines. Maybe heap stones over him like Absalom or like Achan. What will they do? Will they cast him in the valley of Hinnom, Gehenna, which is a picture in the Bible of hell, a burning dump. Will they throw him there? The eye that mocks its father and curses his mother, the birds of the air will pluck it out. You leave him on a tree that till sundown and the birds pluck out their eye. Did anybody see the uh, passion of the Christ with the raven? That was an ancient uh, tradition 
that the raven would come and eat the soft tissue. And so that's what they wanted to see happen. Nicodemus is also prophesied. He's one of the few guys that could turn back 700 years to Isaiah and say, yet with a rich man in his death. And so they get the body. Pilate wonders if he's dead, summons a centurion, questioned him whether he was already dead, and ascertaining from the centurion, yes, he is dead. He granted the body to Joseph. Uh, the centurion said, yes, we came with a fragarium to break their legs so that they would sag down and asphyxiate. We broke this thief, this thief, we came to the guy in the middle, and he was already dead. I had to make sure, so I took my lance and I pierced his heart, and there came forth blood and water. His body had already broken down. As I said, there's another man in the Bible who dies, who's, who goes to sleep, and his side is open that brings forth a bride, and that's Adam. You remember? He goes to sleep, God opens his side, and out comes a bride. Same with Christ, the last Adam. And so he says, he is most assuredly dead. And he granted the body to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen cloth to honor him, took him down and wrapped him in the linen cloth and laid him in a tomb, his own to honor him. When men would die, you would put them for a year in a tomb called a sarcophagus, a flesh eater. Sarx phagos, a sarcophagus. And then after a year, you would gather the bones, put it in an ossuary that was long enough to hold a femur. That's your old longest bone. Put it in there and you'd stow it away. And so they place him in Joseph's tomb. I'll take him which had been hewn out of a rock and he rolled a stone against it because he is afraid of desecration. So it says it's an extremely large stone and he and Nicodemus push it into a groove down in front. So it'll be a, a problem with getting it out. You're not supposed to be a grave robber. So somebody's gonna have to stay there for a while to get this out. And so uh, at this time, the word reaches the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin that one of their own has secured the body. They immediately go to Pilate. First, Joseph Nicodemus show up. Yes, take the body. I'm gonna go golf. Before he can get on the tee, here they come again. Now it's the Sanhedrin. Hey, this deceiver said he was gonna be raised from the dead. If his disciples come and take the body, obviously he's not gonna be raised from the dead, but somebody will steal the body. Then the last deception will be worse than the first. What was the first deception? That he is the son of God. If he is raised from the dead, that deception will be worse than the first. Because if he is raised from the dead, that means everything he said was true. Romans 1.4, he was declared with power to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. C.S. Lewis said, if Christ is raised from the dead, then don't worry about all the rest of the miracles. They're a piece of cake. If you can rise from the dead, then you can do anything. And so they come to Pilate. So first he has guys wanting to push him to get the body. Now the other guys want to push him to seal up the tomb. Uh, Pilate, at that time, politicians would go back and forth. And so he goes back and forth. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you two things. Here's a guard two to four soldiers, they'll stand, we'll pay the, uh, my son sometimes had to do this when he was a Fort Worth cop, a construction site would pay him just to stand there at night and to, so nobody would break in. Pilate said, I'll give you a guard. They'll just stand there and nobody will mess with our guards. And we'll put a seal on it. Take a string, go from one end of the tomb to the other, across that stone, a wax seal in the middle, and you put the Roman insignia, you cross this line, you mess with Caesar. It's like when you put up the yellow tape, it's not just yellow tape, it's a sign from the government, don't you cross this line. And so we're just glad the first person to sin in the New Testament was the angel that broke the rules and raised him from the dead. Okay. And so it moved the stone. You weren't supposed to move the stone, the angel did. So. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he is laid because first thing on Sunday morning, 
we're going to get there. There's a dark Friday night. There is a dark Saturday night that they go through. And it, you ever have to go through something sometimes that you don't understand why and you're just waiting on God? It was G. Campbell Morgan who said, the uh, fog of our today is lifted by the bright light of God's tomorrow. You just wait. And so uh, the 12, they huddle in a little room, it says, and they lock the door because they know they're about to become public enemy number one through 12 here in just a little bit. The women, they are waiting for the sun to come up that they can go buy some spices and they can, uh, this is like a royal funeral. It says that Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of spice. It's not to embalm, it's to give aroma, sweet aroma coming out of that tomb. It's like you would do a royal funeral. Uh, Mary, the Bible says uh, often when things would happen that were over her head, uh, you shall call his name Jesus. He will Jesus his people from their sins and save them. Uh, how can I, since I am a virgin, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the holy thing shall be called the Son of God. Christ answering questions and asking questions in the temple as a sixth grader. Uh, the shepherds coming and said, you'll find in a manger uh, a child, Christ, God, baby. And Mary pondered these things in her heart. Literally, it said she hid them. She doesn't understand them, but she just hides them. Have you ever learned things in the Bible that you just have to hold on to and wait till they come together? And that's what she does. Let's just wait till it comes together. You know, they said that in England, I believe it was when Wellington defeated Bonaparte, that a ship with, sent Morse code to the, uh, all the people on land, and it said... Uh, Wellington defeated and fog rolled in. And that's all that everybody saw. Wellington defeated. They thought, oh no. The morning lifted it and the sign came, Wellington defeated the enemy. And that's what happened at the resurrection. Christ defeated. Oh, Christ defeated the enemy. Oh. And so when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James, Salome, brought spices that they might anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, it's Sunday, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Question, do they have any idea that a resurrection has taken place? None. But they are walking to the edge of all the light they have. Write that down. That will happen to you and I. That God will ordain things that are in his purposes, that it's outside of our paradigm. Your job is to love him till the end. What can I do? I will anoint his body. Then let's go. How are we going to move the stone? I don't know. Let's go. There's questions I don't have, and that's okay because I don't need all the answers. Amen. I just need to know who he is and who I am to him. And I will walk all the way I can. My wife, when I was dating her, she had a poster on her wall that said, faith is walking to the end of all the light you have and taking one more step. I wonder why she put that in on her wall. Maybe she knew she was going to get proposed to. Walking to the edge of darkness. <laughs> then into the abyss. Okay. And so, looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away. Not simply moved. The Greek preposition is like it was off laying down flat. And at this point, John says that Mary took off. Her first thought is a uh, bad reaction to a good activity. Somebody has stolen him and taken his body to desecrate it. And she ran back to where the 11 without Judas and probably just 10 without Thomas 
They were huddled in maybe the upper room because they know that here at sunup, they are public enemies number one through 11. And so uh, she takes off. The other women entering the tomb. It says in Matthew, they came to an angel sitting on the edge of that stone. And the way they knew something had happened is they all woke up that morning to an earthquake. A great earthquake woke them all up. The, the foundations had been moved. You ever been in an earthquake? Anybody from, I don't know, anybody been in an earthquake? I've been in an earthquake. That's a scary feeling. I was in San Diego, soon doing a Song of Solomon conference. I was in the Adams Mark Hotel, 13th floor. I remember the worship leader I was going up, his name was Mike Armstrong. He said, ooh, that's bad luck. I said, fool. I don't hold to such superstition. And at about three in the morning, I had a dream that I was on a cruise ship. <laughs> My hand to heaven, I did. I was on a cruise ship. I was having a nice sleep. And then I began to hear water splash. It was the commode. It was actually kind of relaxing. I think they should make houses like that, you know. And I went, what is this? And saw that my hotel was swaying. And I said, I'll be darned. I am in an earthquake. And I thought, what do you do? Where do you hide in an earthquake? Under the bed? <laughs> no, I don't think that will do. I said, well, case or I'll see what happens there. I heard my worship director, Michael Armstrong, in his underwear racing down the staircase. <laughs> and I looked out the window and saw all the Californians boiling out into the, uh, uh, the road. And then it quieted down and I went back to sleep. But it was an unnerving experience. Everybody's sleeping along when all of a sudden, about 5 a.m., boom, something wakes up everybody. Well, they enter the tomb. The angel said, why are you? He said, don't be afraid. The Bible says that he was bright like the lightning of heaven. And he said, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He is not here. Come. And he walks them in and he points them to the tomb. And they look in the tomb. They see, Mark says, an angel. I'm thinking it's Matthew. And I say one angel. It's a yeah, young man in a white robe. John says there's two angels. Not a contradiction, but a compliment. There's two angels. One sitting on this end of the uh, slab. One on this end of the slab. What does that sound like? Now, on the slab, they had laid his body. And it, you think that it had soaked through that linen? Sure. It's bloody. And here they see a slab, an angel, an angel. They see grave clothes that have not been torn, not like the Hulk came from the dead. No, it's a cocoon. And it's bloody. And it's lying there with nobody in it. Now, what does that sound like to you? A slab, two angels, blood. What is that? It's the Holy of Holies. They are in the Holy of Holies. That body has been taken down. Incidentally, about Joseph and Nicodemus. When you take down a body, how do you do it? You don't pull out the nails. They're not coming. You take that bloody hand and pull it off over that nail. And you get blood all over you. You pull this one off and you get blood all over you. It pitches forward and its bloody side is on you. What does Christ's back look like? It's been taken off. And so now you have blood on you. And then you take the feet and pull them off and you have blood on your feet. And so you're kind of like Passover, all right? You are covered with the blood of the lamb and you are unclean now for the law. Cursed is everyone who dies on the tree. You're identified with him. 
It's like you have been baptized and identified into his life. And then they roll him in the linen shroud and they place him in the tomb. And so these women go in and the angel says, uh, don't be amazed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazareth who have been crucified. He has risen. Incidentally, the, the name that Jesus is given in the Bible uh, at his, uh, the, the angel said, this is Jesus of Nazareth. On the cross, it said, Jesus of Nazareth. The demon said, I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, this is the name heaven exalts, is Nazareth. Nazareth was considered, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was an unholy place. It was where a Romans put their, their uh, a battalion up north. It was said, if you want to get rich, you go to Jerusalem. I'm sorry, if you want to get rich, you go to Nazareth. If you want to be holy, you go to Jerusalem. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Search the scriptures and see, no prophet comes from Nazareth. Actually, there was from Gath Hefer named Jonah. But it's not a good place. Uh, angels call it Jesus of Nazareth. The demons call it Jesus of Nazareth. One commentator had said, he said, if it took great brains to go to heaven, it would have been Jesus of Athens. If it took religion, he would have been Jesus of Jerusalem. If it took might, he would have been Jesus of Rome. But you don't have to be brilliant, strong, or holy in yourself. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Amen. And you identify yourself with Jesus, the Nazarene. You all know what a netzer is? When you cut off a tree, it's dead. A little netzer, a little shoot. Anybody ever try to cut down a hackberry? And these little netzers, shoots, come out. They're life from the dead. Little guys. And that's what Nazareth means. It's the place of life from the dead. And so Jesus of Nazareth is the name that heaven exalts. So if you want to go to heaven, you just got to become a nobody. And so he says, go tell his disciples and Peter. Now it is said that Jesus appeared to Peter and to James and it doesn't tell us how. They are the guys that have the greatest amount of guilt. James wanted him dead as his older brother. Peter ran in the face of adversity. They're the lowest. Jesus made a personal appearance to them because he that loves much or he that is forgiven much loves much. And I want you guys to know that I know what you did and I love you. Are you glad for that? I know what you did. And I know you feel like you have no place in my program, but you do. Peter, you're going to write for me. And James, I'm going to make you the leader of the church at Jerusalem, and you'll write the epistle of James. What's an epistle? Don't even worry about it. But you're going to write it. And he did. And so he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You're going to head back up north to Galilee. After 10 days around Jerusalem, they're all going to move to Galilee. And we're going to start all over the age of grace when we get to Galilee. And so they went out and they fled from the tomb. He said, go tell his disciples. They went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone. Verse 7, go tell they said nothing. They were afraid. If I can't explain what happened, if I, no one will agree with me, people will think I am crazy. I'll be a fool for Christ's sake. And they just kept it to themselves. Now, the gospel of Mark ends possibly right on this verse, afraid. There is a discussion in your Bible. You've got a whole bunch of italics and parentheses after the word afraid. Do you notice well, there's a discussion textually on how far the gospel of Mark goes. Most scholars put it at the end of verse 8 uh, for reasons that I won't go into. I'm going to call it verse 8 because it most fits with my preaching calendar. Okay. And so, 
Jesus has risen from the dead. No one has seen him. And no one has said anything about him. Do you know how many appearances he's going to make? Twelve. Do you know how many people know that? Nobody. You know who's going to know that? You are. And we'll give you a test at the end and we're not going to let you go home. Okay. In John 20, write that down. Mary runs back to the 12 and she says, they have taken the body of my Lord and I know not where they laid him. They've stolen him. Peter and John jump up and take off to the tomb. And in right at this point, the guards go to the Sanhedrin and they said, boys, according to Matthew, I'm awfully sorry, but there was an earthquake. We saw something brighter than the sun and we went catatonic. When we woke up, the tomb was empty, the stone was moved, and he was not there. I'm awfully sorry. And they said this to them, tell no one except that his disciples came and stole him and we'll cover for you before the authorities. So they paid money to lie to say he had not risen. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, 28. Well, now in John 20, Mary, uh, well, first you have Peter and John. They run to the tomb. Peter gets there second because he weighs about 235, 240. John Mark, 19, 20 years old, cornerback on the football team. He's in shape. He gets there first. He looks in, nobody's there. He sees the grave clothes rolled up like a cocoon. Even David Copperfield can't do that. Somebody's passed right through those grave clothes and passed right through this stone. That's what the resurrection is. Y'all know that, don't you? It can pass through matter. Jesus said they'll be like angels in the resurrection. An angel can appear to a man like Joseph in a dream. How about that? Women, you ever wanted to get inside your husband's head? To know if anything's there? <laughs> the day will come. You can do that. And so, John gets there and sees that body's gone. And it says, he believes and goes home. Here comes Peter. <laughs> he looks in. Nobody there rolled up by itself, head wrapped by itself. Peter looks in and believes and goes home. Still, nobody's seen him. Here comes Mary. She's just loyal to the end. Somebody took his body. I've got to find out who. She looks in the tomb. There's an angel. She can't tell who it is. Sir, if you've taken the body, would you tell me? that I can go and get him, meaning I'm gonna take him and put him in my bedroom. I'm gonna put him in the, on the couch. I'm gonna put him where no one can harm him. Just tell me. And all of a sudden she hears somebody behind her. Now the book of Isaiah says that in the kingdom you'll hear the voice of your teacher behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. The voice of your rabbi saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Under the new covenant, he'll speak to you. Your heart will know to follow his will. Mary looks in and hears something behind her. She turns and she doesn't know who it is. Sir, if you've taken away his body, tell me. And he simply says, Mary. He pronounces her name. And she says, like Isaiah says, Rabbi. And she falls at his feet. She's the first one to see that he's raised. And she grabs his legs to say, you will never go away from me again. No more disappearing tricks. I've got you. And Jesus said, why are you clinging to me? I'm sure he stands her up and says, go tell my disciples that I have raised, but I have not yet ascended bodily to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jeremiah 31 says that in that day, they shall not say, know the Lord. They shall all know me from the least to the greatest. He says, uh, and he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. I have not yet ascended to my God and your God, my father and your father. 
the new covenant is enacted. And Mary, you're the first one to find out. And Mary runs back to the disciples and says, he has risen. He has risen indeed. Who would you pick to be the person to announce to the world that redemption had come? God got a woman with seven demons that was released. Well, Christ now in Matthew 28, those women have just run off and are heading back to Jerusalem and they're terrified. But we need another witness to the disciples that he has written. By the testimony of how many witnesses is the fact confirmed? Two or three. Here's at least two more women. And Christ in Matthew 28 appears to them. And they fall at his feet. And he says, rise. Go back and tell my brethren I have raised. And that I will go ahead of them to Galilee. Now they run back. And they announce now, after Mary has announced, here they come running in. And they say, he has risen. You know what the disciples said? And I quote, nonsense. Nonsense. The next thing that happens is that just before this, two of the disciples, one is named Cleopas, one of them, uh, of, of the, those that were faithful to him, left and got on a road going to a certain town. And it said they were discussing with one another, trying to figure out the events that had taken place because they didn't make sense. That's the road to Emmaus, a little village. And while they're on the road, Christ appears and he comes up to them, to these men trying to figure out their Bible. He comes up to them and he says, one of the great comedy lines of the New Testament. He says, uh, what are y'all talking about? And they say, are you the only one in Jerusalem doesn't know what happened? No, I'm the only one in Jerusalem that knows what's happened. And he starts walking with them. He said, did not your New Testament say this? that he would die and rise, and then he starts walking through the Old Testament as they're walking. And they come to Emmaus, to their house, and we never see them say a word. They're listening to the ultimate Old Testament scholar tie everything into the cross. And the darkest act in their life now starts getting brighter and brighter and brighter again. Did you not see, he says, that it was necessary for the Messiah to die? And... They, it's dusk is starting to come and they say, and we have a song about this, go on no further, abide with us, soft falls the eventide, abide with us. And he, they ask him into their lives. He goes in and he grabs the bread on the table like he owns the place because he does. He's like an in-law. Okay. And he takes the bread and he hands it to him and just looks at him. They are thinking, deja vu. When did this happen again? That somebody broke the bread and handed it to It's you. And he went and disappeared. <laughs> and they put the bread down. <laughs> turned and ran like scalded dogs <laughs> fast as they could back to Jerusalem. And they went in and they said to Jesus at the time, some women came to us saying that he had risen and we thought they were talking nonsense. Now they ran back. They hit the door where there are uh, 10 of them there. No Judas, no Thomas. They hit the door. And they walk in. The ladies may have been present. And these two guys say, the Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. And while they're standing there and everybody's looking at them, they start looking around and counting. And there's a person there that they've never seen. And they look at him. You know who it is? It's Jesus. He went through the wall and appeared. And there he is. And he said, it says, I love it how it puts it. And they saw the Lord and were glad. I'll bet you they were glad. And Jesus said, peace be with you.
And they were so excited that he has to say now, peace be with you. Shh, everybody down, everybody down, come in close. As the Father sent me, so send I you. I'm sending you back out into the quagmire. And it got quiet. He said, don't be unbelieving, be believing. Does a spirit have flesh? Does it have a hole in its side? Put your fingers here. Put your hand here. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. There was one disciple that wasn't there, Thomas. Thomas, he says, unless I can put my finger in that hole and my hand in that side, I will not believe. I've got to have firsthand proof. After eight days, they got Simon ba or, uh, Thomas back and he stood there. He said, all right, I'm back here. And all of a sudden, there he was again. Hello, boys. And he said, Thomas, put your finger right here. Put your hand right here. Thomas didn't need to. He fell on his face and he made the great confession. Do you remember it? My Lord and my God. Because you see and believe, blessed are those who believe and do not see. Meaning you guys are about to take a message to the whole world and they're gonna act on faith on the word of the apostles that I died and I rose from the dead. Where is that taking place today? Right here. Peter wrote in 1 Peter, though you do not see him, you believe in him. And though you do not see him now, you love him and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Did we just sing a bunch of songs about an hour ago? Weren't they glorious? And no one has seen him yet. That scripture got again fulfilled right here this morning in your presence. Gentiles that have never seen him rejoiced because of the word that he has risen. How about that? Well, uh, they now go to Galilee for 10 days and we're gonna have a special 10 day seminar. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He gave them a temporary leading to a final blessing of the Holy Spirit so they could understand what he was about to tell them because they're about to go to grad school. And so they all go to Galilee. We never see the trip, but they went up north to Galilee. And there at Galilee, Peter, in some sense, is overcome. And he says, I'm going fishing. And uh, his buddies, six of them, said, we'll go with you. One of them was Thomas. Maybe there are guys that think he's going to have to go to the B team now because we dropped the ball on him. Incidentally, you remember before he died, they were always asking the question, who was the greatest? Remember that? They don't ask it no more. No more. And so they were fishing and caught nothing. They looked up and there's a guy standing on the shore. Children, how's the fishing? We've caught nothing. Throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat. Says who? <laughs> Says me. You a fisherman? Nope. Trust me. I'm sure Peter thought, where have I done this before? He throws it, and there's so many fish, they can't pull it into the boat. And yet, the net did not rip. He gave them the grace to fish. And Peter said, it's the Lord. And he leaps in the water. He can't believe that Christ has actually come to him. And he swims, and Christ is waiting on the uh, shoreline. And he's made a little fire. When was the last time Peter stood by a fire? when he denied him. He's got a fire going. It's cooking fish. You know how he caught him? He just went fish, and they just, just dropped up right on the floor. Fire right there. Roll over, think up. He didn't do that. He's cooking fish. Peter sits down. Peter who said, though all fall away, 
I will follow you to the death. Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all these? Like you said. He used the word agape, do you love me? Like the love of God. He said, Lord, you know that I'm phileo. You know I'm fond of you. He couldn't say it. And you know what Jesus said? He said, feed my sheep. It's okay. Are you what you thought you were? No. Are you what I am? No. Do you understand that now? Yes. And now I can use you. Feed my sheep. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Do you love me? Why did he say it three times? How many times did Peter deny him? Do you love me? Lord, you know I'm, I'm uh, fond of you. Tend my lambs. And he saith to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo? Are you fond of me? And John said, Peter was grieved that he saith unto him the third time, are you fond of me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I'm a phony. You know that I'm fond of you. Feed my sheep. Isn't that good? He can use us in spite of who we are. And then he said, Peter, there's going to be a day that men are going to lead you away where you don't want to go. This he spake of the death by which Peter would glorify God. So is he someday going to do what he thought he could do earlier and couldn't do? Yes. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Someday you're going to die for me. And Peter looked at him and said, how about John? How about if he remains until I come? How about if he lives 2,000 years? Watch that to you. You follow me. You've got your story. He's got his story. You follow me. You don't get to know another man's story. You dig? You don't get to wonder why this happened to him or why this happened, why this happened to you. You follow me. I work with individuals. You follow me. So, uh, after 40 days, uh, I think it's, uh, let's see, yes, 40 days. Visit with your neighbors. May I do this, ma'am? Acts chapter 1. He presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Okay. Like I say, they spent 10 days down in Jerusalem, then they went up for 40 days. And they got, all it says is that he talked to them about the kingdom, that I'm coming back. And then it tells us that while he is up there, 1 Corinthians 15 said 500 saw him at one time. We have no record of that. But he made himself known to 500 people. Peter said, or Paul said, most of them are alive at now. Some have fallen asleep. You can go ask him. 500 people saw him. And then he gave the Great Commission up in Galilee. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. I'm Lord of all. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We've begun a worldwide movement. I want you to baptize them in what only you know about the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You guys have the insight on the nature of God. And then I want you to teach them what I commanded you to obey. I did it, you did it, they'll do it. You pass it on. And lo, which in Greek means yo. I just made that up. All right. Yo, I'm with you until the end of the age. So Joel, is this time of grace going to continue forever? No. This is coming to an end someday. I'll be with you. My power, my presence, my pattern. You go tell people about me. You are nobody's telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. That's what your job is. 
And then they get down to Jerusalem, and Acts chapter 1 says he ascends. The disciples say, while they're on the Mount of Olives, that's where Christ is going to return to. Lord, is it this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Are you about to go down and kill every Roman with an eyesight? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time that's fixed by the Father's authority. Is he coming back? When he wants to. You don't worry about that. It's not for you to know that time. You shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to Denton. The outermost parts of the earth. As far as you can go. And tell them that, I'm, that I've come. And then he ascended. And they all just looked up. And two angels appeared. There's always angels commencing a divine annunciation. Two angels appeared. Men of Jerusalem, why are you standing around looking into the sky? <laughs> That's a great text. Why are you sitting around wondering about what you don't know? You do what you know. Go. Go. Be witnesses. Get. This same Jesus that departed from you will return the same way as he came. Why is the resurrection so important? You got just a moment? It's important, number one, because it's proof. He is declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Number two, there is identification. He died to the power of sin and even the presence of sin, the penalty of sin. And then he lives. We are baptized in him. We are dead to the penalty of sin. We are dead to the power of sin. We have a new nature. And someday we'll be removed from the very presence of sin. And that's our others. The Bible calls his death the birth pangs of death, Peter called him. When he rose again, it was like a womb opened up. And he is the first of many brethren. Are we going to rise from the dead? Yes, we are. And uh, we will have an eternal king who will rule in the fear of God. And so... If you take away the resurrection, all other parts of Christ fall apart. So have yourself a merry little Christmas. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your grace toward us. And as we celebrate communion here just for a second, we will remember this big book anticipates one man who would do one act who would die and rise, who would go to the outermost parts to say, follow me, lose your life and find it. We worship your name. We shall make no other gods, but we shall bow before you, O son, as our Lord and as our savior. If anyone is here who doesn't know you, let them know. There is no plan B in the Bible. It is given unto men uh, to die once and then judgment. And we'll thank you for Christ's sake. Amen.